Hi, listener. Welcome back to the More Than Me podcast. I am your host, Becky Harrington, and today I am joined by a very special guest, Angela Barnes. I want you to remember to join us weekly as we empower women on this podcast to rise up and take on the life that we were designed to live. Whether that's in your home, as an entrepreneur, or working the nine to five, we want to challenge you to take it to the next level. This is a podcast for women who have a deep longing in their hearts, crave community, and are ready to step out in faith. So today we're releasing a new episode in the midst of a very important month, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is really just about taking a pause and remember, remembering to get back up to date on our breast cancer early detection awareness. And part of the reason why we do this every year is one, every year we have new women who are aging into um, this category, but also because breast cancer treatments and breast cancer early detection is changing all the time. And so it's important for us to take us a moment back. I know, I know a lot of friends in my life October is the month that they make sure that they get their mammograms, they check all the things off of the list. And so we're really excited whether you're listening to this episode um, with us in October, or if you're listening to it later, this is still a really important discussion about our boobs. (laughs) So before we get into today's episode, I just want to continue to highlight Um, upcoming things that are happening with your More Than Me membership. So I just want you to remember that joining More Than Me, um, there's two different roads that you can take. So if you've been enjoying this podcast on a weekly basis, but you haven't dipped your toe into the water and really joined in with the full community of women, there's two ways you can do that. $15 memberships gets you access to the monthly Zoom calls and special events. Um, The special events happen every month. There's uh, upcoming this month, we're going to be having a resiliency workshop. We have um, a book club that's going on. We always have a a guest expert who comes in for different topics. And uh, we also have networking calls. So if you're just looking to meet more women, whether that's close to where you are or from far away, we have those opportunities. The $29 membership is your deep it gives you access to the digital resource library. So that means that you can go back and listen to all of the expert calls from past topics. Um, There's tons of content for you to consume on there. Plus you get your own membership page on the website and you can actually directly connect with other members um, through the portal. So I highly recommend the $29 a month membership. I've been on it for two years and I think it's worth every single penny. Um, So events to highlight for... October, just remember, we've got the Resiliency Workshop, which is a three-part series you can sign up for in October. There's book club, member networking um, calls, expert call. And then also, if you're in Los Angeles or the surrounding area, we just recently launched the LA chapter. That's a group of women who are getting together in addition to the regular online membership and uh, meeting on Zoom or in person when it's safe. So, all right, ladies, today... We're going to chat about our breasts. You know, breasts are something really interesting. I have five sisters, okay? So I'm one of six girls. And all of our boobs are very different. We feel differently about our boobs. Uh, We're jealous of like one particular sister has like amazing boobs. And we've just always been actually particularly jealous. Like why did she get those great boobs? 
Um, sometimes we're annoyed with them. They change all the time and they have unique shapes and sizes and stories that we can share about them, but they can also hide life altering consequences inside of them. In fact, I just want to share a few facts with you as we get started into our interview today. One in eight women are going to contract breast cancer in their lifetime. So if I think about just my six, me and my six sisters, one of us is likely to contract breast cancer in our lifetime. Breast cancer is genetic, but also um, your, and your family history definitely plays a large role in it, but it can also be from outside influences like pollution, pollution exposure, and lifestyle. Your breast density plays a major role in your breast cancer early detection because it's harder to detect cancer in dense breast tissue. We're gonna talk some more about that today in particular. In the last year, a law was passed having to notify women about their breast density and limitations that exist in mammography specifically for these women. That number is 40 to 50% of women who have dense breast tissue. Women often won't find out their breast density until their first mammogram at 40. And early detection, which we call in stage zero, one or two, has a 99% survival rate and it dramatically drops from there. So early detection is actually the way we win this whole breast cancer war. Women have gotten clear mammograms and then been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer because of their breast density. So that's, these statistics are why we're all here today to talk. And, you know, these are Debbie Downers, right? This is a sad list, but I have to tell you that I promise you from here on out, the good news is everything that we're going to be talking about from, from this point on is actually good news. It's going to be really positive. So Angela, will you please introduce yourself to our guests today and tell them a little bit about you? Sure. It's so good to be here, Becky. Um, my name is Angela Barnes, as Becky's already said. I am married um, to my best friend, Mark. I am a mother of three. I have just entered a new season of motherhood. I just took my youngest, my youngest child off to college um, down to uh, the Phoenix area, which is a really interesting thing to do in the middle of a pandemic, to leave your baby boy um, with 16,000 other teenagers and pray they follow all the rules. Um, but uh, so I'm entering a new, a new season in, in my life, um, but in the middle of, of leaving one, one phase of parenting, I'm uh, incubating this little baby business idea at the same time. Um, I've spent the bulk of my adult life outside of mothering. If I wasn't mothering, I was coaching and mentoring women. I've spent 25 years in women's ministry. I've had a lot of unexpected twists and turns in my own life. And um, God has been so good and faithful to carry me through those. And I've always felt really strongly that one of my biggest missions in life was to come alongside other women. And if I've learned something that could benefit or help or encourage someone else that I would leverage my life to that benefit. And so I've spent all these years um, in women's ministry, really working more on the spiritual and emotional side of health and now entering this new space of physical health. And um, so it's, it's an interesting uh, journey that God has me on right now, but I'm really excited. 
And I have to say from getting to know Angela personally, that she is just a lover and believer in all women, which is part of what this group is all about. She's truly for women and it's why um, she's the right person to actually take on this challenge. Um, I think God knew that she was perfectly placed to be this right person. Um, And so let's talk a little bit about your best friend. Let's talk about her because she's kind of the center of the story. Let's talk about Natalie. Mm, sweet Natalie. Yeah, actually, I met Natalie um, years ago. We randomly met one another in Ethiopia, if you can believe it. We were in the middle of nowhere, Ethiopia, struck up this bizarre conversation and found out we actually went to the same church in, at the, in, <laughs> in our hometown. And so we became fast friends. We, we kind of took that as a sign that we were destined to meet and to do life together. And um, we ended up starting a women's ministry together and worked alongside one another for seven years in ministry. But the last several years of Natalie's life has taken on a, a new challenge. Um, she, um, almost three years ago now, uh, went in for her yearly mammogram. Natalie's in her 50s. She wouldn't care that I share that. Um, So she had been getting her yearly mammogram, excuse me, for over a decade. And um, and the funny thing with Natalie is um, she has a family history of, of breast cancer. So Natalie actually landed in a category of woman who was fairly educated on her risk factors and had taken early detection very seriously. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> Got a frog in my throat. Um, and she uh, actually knew she had dense breast tissue. Um, but even knowing that, knowing her family history, knowing she had dense breast tissue, she actually didn't know fully what that meant and really what she should have potentially been advocating for in additional screening. She didn't know to the extent of how much mammography could fail her for early detection. And so about three years ago, she had gone in for her yearly mammogram as as she always has, got the letter in the mail saying all was good, we don't see anything. Um, There was a notification of dense breast tissue on that letter, but she didn't, again, didn't really know what fully that meant and how much she needed to heed that piece of knowledge. So honestly, uh, eight, 10 weeks later, a very short time later, she felt a lump. But, but because she has fibrous breast tissue, she was kind of used to lumpy, bumpy breasts. And throughout her lifetime, she had had cysts and different things looked at. And so honestly, because she had just gotten that letter in the mail saying her mammography was clean, she kind of, she felt the lump, but just assumed it must be a cyst or something benign and nothing to be that worried about. So she kind of just do what a lot of us do. Honestly, we kind of, I don't know. Sometimes I think women, we're not the best advocates of our own self-care. We want to not deal with the hard things. Sometimes we'll do it for everyone else, but not often for ourselves. Um, but at the nudging of an of another friend, uh, she went and got it checked um, a few months later to find out it was a malignancy that had been missed by the mammogram after they had done a uh, diagnostic ultrasound and a biopsy. So that that was the beginning of that horrible cancer journey for her. She uh, did what a lot of women have to do in this moment. She went through a double mastectomy. 
She has done uh, multiple rounds of different medications, chemo, uh, uh, hormone uh, blockers that strip your body of estrogen, which isn't really fun. It throws you into instant and very hard menopause. Um, she endured all the reconstruction surgery of her breasts. And really, as a friend group, we're in a life group together. We had really, um, at about the year and a half mark after her reconstruction, we were in celebration mode. We had thought as a, as a community of friends around Natalie that she had kind of crested over the worst of what she felt was her cancer battle and that she could kind of rest and start enjoying and dreaming again for the future. And just a few months later, her husband and her were on a Hawaii vacation and she actually Marco Poloed the girls in the group. And she's like, can you pray for me? I am feeling super achy. I don't know if I have a flu bug, but I'm just not feeling right. I've got a lot of aches and pains, which is unusual when to be in Hawaii and to feel achy is not normal. So she came home and uh, her doctor encouraged her to get a PET scan. And unfortunately, the cancer had spread to her bones. And so now she is at a stage four cancer diagnosis. And she's, you know, courageously and valiantly, you know, battling for her life. Um, she's doing great. She's doing a lot of alternative treatments. She's traveled out of country to access other treatments that aren't available here in the U.S. And it is helping. And I'm glad to see her doing so well. But I mean, it is an everyday, her full-time job right now is is staying alive. Her full-time job is doing all of her treatments and therapies and medications. It's an around-the-clock uh, battle for her. And it's been, as a friend, it's been the closest view into a cancer battle that I've personally had. I have not had a close family member or friend prior to Natalie face a cancer diagnosis to this extent. And so for me as a friend and as a, as, as a woman, to watch really what it requires of us when we receive a stage four cancer diagnosis, um, it's been brutal. And it's, it's forced me to learn more and to educate myself, which is really what has led us here today. And you know, what I love about everything in this, this whole story is that breast cancer awareness uh, famously has been about women coming together. And it's not just about your early detection. It's actually about every woman who you loves early detection. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about the action that um, Angela took next, because I'm sure that this whole situation, grief has a way of moving us through different stages. And one of those stages of anger and kind of bargaining um, led you to want answers, to want, actually demand some answers from the healthcare industry on why this could actually happen to your friends. So tell us a little bit about um, the journey you took and then the solution that you found. Yeah, you know, ironically, I mean, we can call it serendipitous if you want, but I call it providential. I, I actually had started to hunt for some answers Prior to Natalie's story, I'm a woman with breast augmentation. Um, I went through um, getting breast implants in my 30s after having my done nursing kids and um, 
and I had become increasingly uh, unsure about mammography's reliability for me as a woman with breast implants. So I was just on the internet one day looking for some solutions for myself, quite frankly. And in my hunt for a solution for myself, I stumbled onto a website where they were referencing this revolutionary ultrasound technology that helps increase early detection for women who fall into these risk categories, women with breast augmentation and women with dense breast tissue. And on that website were many stories like my friend Natalie's. And honestly, I can say as a 48-year-old woman, before I had stumbled onto that website, I was uneducated on the issue of dense breast tissue. Here, I had just watched my friend go through all of this, and I remember scratching my head going, how did this happen? How does a woman go get a mammogram, and they're told they're okay, and then a matter of weeks later, she's facing a stage two cancer diagnosis. I, I didn't understand that the whole reason that it occurred was due to the density of her breast. So I was on this website, and all of you know, all the cells in my brain are just firing. And I pick up the phone and I call Natalie and I said, Natalie, did you have dense breast tissue? And she said, yes, I did. And I said, is that why they said the mammogram didn't see the cancer? And she said, yes, it was in fact, even after the biopsy and they knew exactly where the mass was, they went back and did another mammogram and even knowing exactly where it was, they couldn't see it. That is, that is how much the density of her breast obscured the reliability of the mammogram. And so it was kind of that moment where I had stumbled upon this amazing technology and it connected the dots that this had my friend had access to this technology. It would have completely changed the course of her life. If she had been one of the women who had gone in and gotten screened by this ultrasound technology called Sonocine, and I'll explain more about how Sonocine works in a moment, um, she would have been able to catch her cancer at stage zero or stage one, where she wouldn't have been facing a mastectomy and chemotherapy and, a, and bone cancer now. It's, and so that knowledge in that moment, my life changed. That was just one of those moments where I'll never forget it. I'm like, every single woman needs to know about this technology. And in fact, I spent the next day calling every imaging center in the state of Washington where I live, trying to find this machine and this technology so I could go access it myself and I could tell all of my friends about it only to find that the closest machine was in California, um, where the inventor of this technology, Dr. Kevin Kelly, still resides. He's still in practice in Pasadena, California. And the more I dug in with Dr. Kelly and learned more about their business and this, the technology that he had developed and realized how few clinics in the U.S. have this technology um, accessible to women, I just, I think everything in me just, felt the injustice of that and felt the futility of that and how many women every year die. Over 40,000 women die every year in the U.S. And many of those women are, they have passed away due to a late stage cancer diagnosis. If they had, if it had been caught at stage zero or stage one, we wouldn't be looking at those kinds of numbers. And so I just started to, I don't know, a fire just welled up inside me. Um, I told my husband, I feel like I, I've been given my next life's calling. Um, it was a very, it was in the middle of COVID. All of this happened during COVID. Um, so this has been a very interesting six months for me because um, 
the fact that there is a solution for such a massive problem and so few people know about it, that has to end. So, And we're going to get into why that is in a second, but I, I promised some education here. So if you're listening and you've, you've been hearing us use this word breast density, okay, and you're like, Becky, what the heck is that? Okay. So breast density is, you know, there's dense breast tissue is like, which is like more fibrous or muscular. And then there's fatty tissue. And here's the thing. There are are women with teeny tiny breasts who have fatty tissue. And there's women with big boobs who have dense breast tissue. So it's, you may be like, oh, I'm good because I got big squishy breasts, <laughs> but that is not really the truth. <laughs> so let's just be clear there. Um, your, so your breast density um, shows up white on a mammogram and cancer shows up white on a mammogram. And so the more dense your breast tissue is, the harder it, it is to see that white on white. And we're going to talk a little bit about why Sonosone is different, but I just the only way that you really know that you have breast density is if you get some sort of screaming. So mammography still plays a role in this early detection process, but you should know that, um, you know, they've pushed back the, the, um, the timeline, the insurance is now, uh, have started at, at 40, I think for breast screening, it used to be like somewhere around 35. Um, but you do need to advocate for yourself if you have any history or if you suspect that you might have um, dense breasts and you just want to know, you need to advocate for yourself and find that out. Like we said in, earlier in this episode, it's actually relatively new. I have, have dense breast tissue and I've been told it, like kind of in a passive conversation, like the, the person doing my mammogram said passively, oh, you have dense breast tissue, or my doctor has mentioned, oh, you have dense breast tissue, but no one ever explain to me the health risks that were associated with that information until I really met Angela. I was walking around going, well, I don't know. I have muscular boobs. It's, it's fine. I guess I didn't know it had anything to do with my breast density. So if you're listening today, we really want you to come away educated and, and feel empowered to go to your doctor and ask questions and find out answers and maybe push for a mammogram earlier than they normally would because you want answers to those questions. So this technology has been around for 11 years. It's called Sonosene. And what I would like for you to explain is why does every woman in the United States not have access to this? Yeah. And I'd like to back up too and even jump add a little to what you just said. I think the other piece to understanding uh, about your, the density of your breast tissue is just the magnitude of how many women have dense breast tissue. I think, are we talking 10%? I mean, I think I thought, oh, there's just probably, that's just a few women. No, we're talking up to 50% of women are walking around with what they, on some grade of dense breast tissue. So that's over, you know, almost half of the people going in every year and getting a mammogram and thinking that that is sufficient imaging. And so it's a large number. And so I, I'm a huge proponent of you knowing at an early age what the density of your breast is. And Becky already referenced it. The only way you really can know the density of your breast is to either through an ultrasound or a mammogram. And so you can do that with an ultrasound at a younger age if you want to make sure you're on the front end, especially if you have a family history. Um, Because the largest killer of women ages 35 to 55 is breast cancer. 
And so if you're not getting your first mammogram until you're 40 or 45 and you're already a decade in not knowing that you could be in a high risk category, it's, it's not early enough. And women with dense breast tissue are more likely than women with fatty tissue to get breast cancer and they uh, have a higher mortality rate of actually dying of breast cancer if they do get a cancer diagnosis. So it's really important that at a, a young age, we get a baseline uh, screening done to know the density of our breasts so that we can make an educated decision on how to best advocate for our own health as we move into our 30s and 40s. So I just wanted to add yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's good. Um, but going back to the Sonocine technology and, and how it works. So Dr. Kelly, the whole reason this started was because he has been in breast imaging his entire career. He's 78 years old. He cares a lot about women and early detection for breast cancer. And in the 90s, he had seen this exact thing happen, similar to Natalie, where women were coming in. He couldn't see the cancer on the mammogram. And yet he, he knew that if ultrasound could be up-leveled, to an automated form that that technology would work better with women with dense breast tissue because then the dense the breast tissue itself does not appear white on an ultrasound and so the cancer is is um, or the cancer itself I'm sorry is black and so you can actually see the contrast and so he invented this machine um, like like Becky said it put it through FDA approval has been written and published. Um, but it has had a really hard time making it into mainstream medicine where it would become standard of care for this 50% of women who need supplemental imaging in addition to mammograms. And, you know, there's a whole lot of politics and money and disruption to why that would be probably a whole nother podcast that we could um, talk about some of the reasons, the larger institutional reasons why there isn't proper referral paths, there's um, incentives to medical device sales, and this is a low-cost screening method that's extremely effective, and it's hard to compete with machines that have, there have been millions and millions of dollars invested in and that they have to refer patients to, to justify those machines sitting in their room. And so there, he has been one little man, uh, a great man, but one person trying to take on the likes of GE and Siemens and these large medical device companies. Um, and so as I built a friendship with Dr. Kelly and learned about his commitment to this technology and the life-saving potential it has for tens and thousands of women, we just started this dialogue of, well, what if we brought it just straight to women? What if we bypassed all of the medical, medical uh, like trying to turn the Titanic? Why don't we just bring this messaging and this knowledge of empowerment straight to women and then create small clinics where women can just access this technology without having to jump through hoops and referrals and insurance claims and processing. Um, and this, this technology, I got to witness it firsthand. I flew down to California with a, another friend of mine who is now on the Kavina team. Um, 
in, in the middle of June when we shouldn't have been traveling because of COVID, but I was determined to see this in action and experience it myself. And in that meeting, Dr. Kelly uh, took my friend and I behind his desk and he said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to play you a scan of a woman with a three millimeter cancer. And I want you to tell me when you see the cancer. And if you can imagine how small three millimeters is, as I say that, it's very, very small. It's a cancer size that we would consider stage zero. And he played it for us on his computer screen, sitting at his desk and as plain as day, both her and I witnessed this black mass go shooting across his computer screen and we both said there it was and he said yes and I got to witness the power I mean I'm getting chills all over my body right now just even remembering that moment of seeing how effective this technology really is so he takes three to five images per breast that get stitched into rows uh, that become a movie and that is how the radiologist reads this scan. Um, so the resolution and the, the imaging that they can get in this automated form um, is so amazing that he can very, very reliably get cancers as small as four to 10 millimeters. And that is stage zero. And actually that is one of the missions of Kavina is to catch more stage zero, stage one cancer, which is extremely exciting. So we're, we're kind of, so Angela has done all of this information. She, she figured out what the problem was. She found a solution. She figured out that the healthcare system was probably going to take another 200 years. That's an exaggeration, but you know me already. So you know that that's an exaggeration to get this to women. And so tell us, tell us what you're doing about it. Well, I, I'm probably err a little bit on the idealistic, naive side of things because to me, it just felt so obvious. It just felt like there's a massive problem. There's a pretty simple solution. And it's just a matter of creating a, a way for women to access this technology and for women to share this powerful information with one another so that we can save lives. And so there began this idea of a, of a small boutique style clinic that would be very spa-like in nature, but would give women easy access to this technology. And so our our goal is to have our first clinic open in January. In fact, I went and walked the space yesterday with the contractors. It's very exciting to actually see the space taking shape. Um, we're buying a machine. We're hiring the people. We've got an amazing radiologist on our team who will be reading these scans for our first clinic here in Spokane. And, and we're just really excited. But I think the bigger the bigger goal is obviously, I, I mean, I, I couldn't be more tickled to be bringing this technology to my own community and my own region. I live in the Pacific Northwest and the closest machine for anybody who lives in this part of the country is to get on a plane and fly to California or Scottsdale, Arizona. And so I'm so excited to bring this technology to this part of our country so women within driving distance can get, get themselves here and get the early screening that they need. But the larger goal, obviously, is that no woman in the U.S. would not have access to this simple, non-toxic, easy screening that could potentially save their life. And so the larger goal is to obviously find other women in other communities, other regions, other cities who would want to lock arms with me in this mission and bring Kavina Care, that is the name of our clinic. Uh, Becky, the marketing guru, is uh, 
just helping us build this beautiful company that um, we can replicate and bring to other cities and other states as we grow. So I'm going to ask you a speed round of questions just to make sure that we get all of the information. And obviously, uh, you guys can go to kavinacare.com and there's actually a, a lot of information there. There's a longer training you can take to learn about early detection and also some deep dive pages on Sono Sunny. But I think these, these questions would be more top of mind for the, the everyday woman. So um, what age do you have to be? I mean, how young, how old, like what, what age do you have to be to get a screening? If you have boobs, you can get screened. Okay. I, I honestly think even women in their 20s, especially if they don't know the density of their breast tissue and or have a family history, I would get a baseline screening in your late 20s because 30, if you get diagnosed with breast cancer in your 30s, the mortality rates are very high. And so if you have some risk factors and we do have a breast assessment on our website or you can text HEALTH to 33777 to take that assessment, um, I think the earlier the better. Early 30s, late 20s, get that baseline screening done. It's ultrasound so there's no negative impact to the body. There's no radiation. There's no reason to not get at least a baseline screening done. And then based on those findings, then you can determine for yourself how often in the pace of your um, yearly screenings beyond that. But to me, especially if you have a family history or you have concerns of dense breast tissue, I would get a baseline screening done in your 30s and then yearly thereafter. So do you need a referral from a doctor to come to a Sonocine screening? You do not. And that was one of the things I was most committed to doing. Um, I hear, have heard the horror, horror stories of the hoops that women have to jump through to try to get the kind of care and um, screening that they need and want. And we want, wanted this to be something as simple as picking up the phone or logging onto the website and being able to make an appointment. And can you make an appointment right now? You can. Our website went live last week and we have a scheduler up and we're already booking appointments in, uh, we're opening early January, 2021, and we've already got appointments on the books. It's exciting. And I think that a lot of women might be afraid to ask this question because we don't like to talk about money. We just are really <laughs> bad at it. So is this expensive? Like how much does it cost? It's not expensive. And I think that is the most exciting thing about this, because I think if there had been this amazing technology that could save lives, but it was inaccessible to most women, that would feel like a very frustrating thing. But this is going to be a screening that costs less than $400. And we are able to take HSA, FSA, we are going to have payment structures in place. And there also is going to be a fundraising arm to our clinic because we would never want a woman's inability to come up with $400 to be the reason she doesn't get the early screening that she deserves. And so I think that's where women are, where we see women really shine is, is we come alongside one another and we make sure that we can reach back and pull the next person along. So I'm really excited to see women help create this fund um, where we can scholarship the women who need, need some help. Um, so you mentioned that the next uh, locations in Spokane, that there's one in Pasadena, there's one in Arizona, and that's basically it for our screening options in the United States. We know that we have women listening from both sides of the country here. And um, I think even some that live in India for some reason. Um, so, uh, 
so can they come to Spokane and can they, you know, can they come to Spokane and, and, and visit your facility and, and do all the things? Yes, we would love to have you visit Spokane. Uh, Spokane is, sits right on the Idaho border. We're no, close to uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is a beautiful resort town. And we really want to create some special experiences for the women who, who might have to travel in from out of state to, to, receive, this, uh, to receive this screening. And so, yes, they, we would love to have anybody visit our state. And we certainly, we can even put it in the show notes, Becky, but the locations of the other clinics um, that do have this technology in the U.S. There's only four clinics that you can self-refer to currently in the U.S. Um, hopefully in the near future, that will not be the case. I, I dream of the day where at least we have one machine, at least in each state, if not more. But for now, that's what, that's what we have. Yeah. And in the future, you are building business opportunities for other women with Kavina. So if someone's interested in bringing Kavina to their state, can they contact you through the website? Yes, please do. We're looking, I love entrepreneurship. I love women who are mission-minded and excited about doing something that would not only build a profitable business for themselves, but create care um, and saving lives. It just, there's nothing better than that. So yes, if you're a woman out there and this is striking a chord with you and you live in another part of the country and would be interested in helping bring Kavina to your part of the world, um, please reach out and let me know. So part of the reason why we wanted to bring Angela on today is one, she is a more than me member. She is part of the girl gang. Um, she also, um, it, we, this is a really important um, topic for all women. So there's no way that we really can ignore a, a women's group and not talk about uh, breast cancer early detection. And our hope today was that you could learn some things that maybe you didn't know about, have some new questions to talk to your family about, um, have some new questions to talk to your doctor about. Um, and that if you, if you heard all of this and said, wow, I have, I already know I have dense breast tissue. I already, I, I have breast augmentation. I have a, a family history. Um, I need to know <laughs> about this stat. Um, we hope that you'll go to the Kavina Care website, learn some deeper information about it, and hopefully even schedule a screening, like Angela said. The other reason why she's here today is because this right here, this is what women do. When they see a pro problem, and they see a bunch of red tape in their way, they just kind of go around the red tape and they go straight to the solution. Um, but today's, um, today's topic and talking to Angela, I just want you to know that this is also a big risk. Um, I'm, this is not free. She didn't just like pay $10 and become a member and now she gets to start her business. There's been, there's been a considerable amount of time, energy, finances that have been um, put into this project um, so that she can have direct skin in the game with women uh, to help save lives. And um, that is what we're all about here. We're about full skin in the game for each other and where we're headed. And this was something that was passionately put on Angela's heart. She certainly could have done something much easier with her newfound time after post sending all of her children to college finally to be on their own. Um, so this is a big risky thing that she's doing at this point in her life. And so we are going to be better together with her. We're going to put some skin back in the game with Angela um, because she needs this message to spread across the whole country. And we know that women do that. So there's a couple of ways that you can get skin in the game with Angela. 
You can start by taking out your phone and texting HEALTH to 33777. You'll be asked to give your email address and that will put you on the email list so that you're given updates on what's happening with Kavina. And then that, that breast self-check assessment we were talking about that we really want you all to take will be sent to you as well. Um, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So if you are joining us in October, another way that you can get skin in the game with us on this is to hop on social media, share what you learned today and in your stories and tag at Kavina Care. So if you're on Facebook, it's actually Kavina Care on both Facebook and Instagram. So, but please tag us and we'll reshare it. Um, just give a recap of what you learned today and how it's helping to expand your knowledge on breast cancer early detection. Um, again, if you want to deep dive into Sonosene, go to kavinacare.com, click on the early detection page where you can do a longer training um, and learn kind of more of the science, technology, data, facts, and et cetera um, to get in on all of this. So thank you so much, Angela. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing for women and for joining us here today. Remember, this is the More Than Me podcast, and we're sharing stories of women who decided to move outside of themselves and claim a higher purpose because together we are more. If you, join, if you enjoyed today's show, will you please do me a favor and go leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. This helps more women like you find our podcast. You can always learn more about all of the events that we talked about for More Than Me coming up on morethanme.com. Next, um, next week, we are going to be joined with Shannon Hinderberger. She's going to be teaching us how to take um, our relationships from a Zoom networking call offline, in person, and also um, over social media and text to make more impact out of all of these Zoom networking events that we're going to. So we look forward to talking to you soon. We'll talk next time. Bye.